Mr. Connor is a registered representative and managing principal with Connor Wealth Management. Securities offered through Commonwealth Financial Network, member FINRA, SIPC. Opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, its guests, and callers, and not those of WLDL, its management, staff, or sponsors. Nothing contained in this program should be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell a security, and if applicable, only after the prospectus has been read and understood by the customer. These decisions can only be made after consideration of an investor's investment objective and the investment suitability. All right. It is Friday, June 2nd, and I have the pleasure of joining me in Studio 1A, Mr. Connor from Connor Wealth Management. Good morning, Eric. How are you, sir? Good morning. It's been a long time. I'm back in the saddle. Yeah, boy, you've been a busy, busy guy. So uh, you went to some college graduation, right, your daughter? My my oldest is my son, and he graduated from UB back on, uh, I think that's the 19th. I could be wrong on the date. But, yeah, so the third uh, third Friday in, uh, in May, I was not here and uh, got to enjoy my oldest child walking across the stage at UB. So congrats to him and all the other graduates that are... Uh, freshly minted with their degrees this year. That's awesome. And now they can all try to figure out what it's like to be a little more of an adult. And in my son's case, he's going to go to grad school. So uh, I guess he gets to put off full adulting for a little while longer. Lucky him. What's what's his major? He was a business administration major, uh, concentration in finance, which uh, I suppose people would joke, no surprise given what his dad does. But I will say... Absolutely zero pressure for me in that regard over time. He uh, he picked that on his own. He, he does like the idea of getting into the business world, uh, potentially on the real estate side of things. Um, and, uh, you know, what? like any parent, it's pretty much whatever makes you happy and, and you think fits with uh, your skill set, that's good enough for my wife and I. But, but he did pick on that side. So he'll... Uh, probably be headed to Canisius for an MBA. Uh, That's the current plan. You know, of course, plans are always subject to change, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, but uh, he's headed in the right direction. Hopefully so. Any any way you look at it, he seems to be Doing good. He's chip off his dad's old block. Yeah, he's he's a pretty good kid, and um, unlike his father, he can golf a pretty good game where uh, after 35 years, I still clunk around and epitomize the uh the the book uh john i won't remember his last name right now but he he wrote golf a good walk spoiled and <laughs> and man that is that's me to a t out there uh but but jackson can do a pretty good job on the golf course most of the time <laughs> another friend of mine says a golf course is a perfectly a perfectly good waste of a fine uh, shooting range <laughs> well when if you're down at Willowbrook, you get to hear the shooting range. That's uh, that's often a little distracting when you're out there. I bet it the, is. The one on uh, was that uh, Old Niagara Road. Yep. Or, yeah, uh, close enough that you get to hear the the echoes through the through the landscape when you're out there swinging away. Yeah, I'm not sure I'd be real good with that, but hey. What are you going to do? Yeah, it's far enough away that it doesn't uh, scare the daylights out of you. You know, if you're if you're okay. hunched over for a putt or something, it's not so loud that your 
twitching and all of a sudden, you know, kick, like Caddyshack out there, you know. But duck, uh, duck, goose. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Cool. All right. So uh, let's see. You got your son taken care of. Now your daughter was doing some athletic things. Is that? Yeah. So uh, two daughters and uh, we had same day of the graduation. We had the league championships for Lockport, the NFLs, and uh, Avery won the uh, league pole vault championship. So congrats to her. And my youngest was on the 4 by 800 relay team. And uh, I, if I remember correctly, they came in third in the league. So as an eighth grader getting to run with a couple of seniors, that was fantastic for my youngest. I so. think she's doing okay. Yeah, yeah. Cool beans. Well, speaking of doing okay... Are we doing okay in the world of finances these days, Eric? We're we're doing okay. We're doing okay. And, uh, you know, pretty much every time I'm ever here, I could always say it's a mixed bag. But we're doing okay. Okay. Um, market continues to sort of grind higher uh, unless you've owned NVIDIA, in which case it's sort of skyrocketed <laughs> higher, higher recently. Uh, uh, NVIDIA came out with some earnings a week and a half ago or wherever that was and just moved up dramatically higher very quickly. And I'll just touch on that for a second because that's part of the whole artificial intelligence and, you know, this um, chat GPT stuff where computers can write research reports for uh, high school and college students and, you know, it's going to take over like it's uh 2001 a space odyssey and all that well uh nvidia makes those chips so <laughs> they've they've uh found a market they've been they've been um down this road for a while they knew it was coming they've been on that cutting edge and this was the first earnings report where it really started coming to fruition where they had much higher than much higher revenue than was expected. Earnings were good. And then their future projections of their sales were way above what people were thinking. So the stock's done phenomenal. And that whole announcement, this whole artificial intelligence phenomena has kind of pulled a lot of technology stocks higher as well. So you've had some good strength lately in Google and Amazon um, Microsoft's done fine. Uh, it doesn't directly affect Apple, but Apple's obviously a huge company um, that anytime you're starting to talk technology and changes comes into the conversation. So we've been doing all right on that side of the world. But, you know, the yin and the yang, you've got the other side where, you know, banks have had their up and down uh, some some obviously failures there a couple months ago, which we touched on. Um, telecom stocks, the Verizons and AT&Ts of the world are not, they've got no good news coming out their way. They've been performing poorly. News of the day is that Amazon is potentially going to create a cell service for their Amazon Prime subscribers. So you've got... Um, Verizon, AT and T, and um, Spectrum. He's got it. No, nope. right. the the T Mobile. T Mobile. Thank you. Yes, T Mobile. All under pressure today, with the idea that 
uh, Amazon, the 800-pound gorilla, might come in and really, really affect their profitability. Right. Um, and so, you know, that, that mixed bag aspect is always with us, and we can carry that over to the jobs report. It's the first Friday of the month. We often have the jobs report unless it's on the first. And... You know, lo and behold, we thought the economy was slowing down. We thought we might get to the end of interest rate increases. And the jobs report is really a fantastic one in most respects. Jobs well over 300,000 for the month of May. Um, Wage growth was still, I'll use the, the categorization of saying wage growth is good but not great. So it's in that four plus percent year over year number i'm a fan of that it does feed into inflation numbers but i'm actually in favor of people making more money so i don't have a problem with that kind of wage growth and a lot of the jobs interestingly are on the professional side you know they kind of categorize it right you've got travel and tourism you've got government you've got um what they will consider the lower skill set where you don't need a college degree and then you'll have the professional skill set where you do need a college degree and a lot of the growth was actually up in that professional level nice which um i find sort of interesting because have it happening in may just seems a little bit and i'm not an expert in terms of the the demographic makeup of this you know year by year by year Mm -hmm. but i would think that kind of number might kick up in june because of college graduations, right. we, not we, so much in May because of college graduations. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? So we'll have to see. Uh, you know, there's always something more to look forward to. So I guess we'll have to see what does June look like when it comes out in early July, because that would be really interesting if we have a couple of months back to back of really good professional growth. Because, and again, the reason that's sort of interesting. When we, a few months ago, were talking about layoffs from the tech companies, including Facebook and Google and Amazon, that's all that same category. So if, if um, let's say, the big five or ten tech companies a few months ago announced those layoffs and people started thinking, oh, boy, here's the beginning of the turn. We're going to have a weak job market. And if by May or June, you're you're back to that sector having really, really great hiring numbers, you you can see how we don't live and die by what those those biggest tech companies do. They don't necessarily move the economy in terms of uh, are we are we having a job recession type situation. So uh, we look resilient. We look like. Uh, businesses are still hiring they're paying and that translates over to uh you know there's still probably an expectation of these interest rates not getting cut anytime soon i'm not predicting an increase further from where we're at uh at this point but um this strength in the job market probably does not create any cutting of interest rates anytime soon so we'll have to just keep Uh analyzing it seeing how it plays out um it's 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 always an interesting business to be in and even if you start thinking of oh it's going to be the summer and it's going to slow down and 
You know, there's the old stock market expression, sell in May and go away. Um, there's a lot of news coming out, and it, it there's no real slowdown on it. Right. It, it, it is fascinating to just watch and see because it's, it is it is a bit unpredictable. It is. And it's by, it is. Well, by its very nature, but it's particularly in these times where things are yeah. changing. Yeah. And I made a comment to my wife the other day. We, we were able to take a, a short vacation with the family, a little graduation gift to uh, my son from college and the fact that my middle child will graduate from high school. And when we were away, uh, there – I tend to take one or two little business trips a year and and sort of the agita in my life is always that something bad happens while I'm away. And uh, then I have to, you know, sort of clean up the mess remotely. So this time as we were scheduling this little trip, uh, we have the debt ceiling and the talks going on. And, uh, you know, I was getting a little antsy about it and, and my wife was... Trying to just say, oh, you know, it'll be fine. You know, it's nonsense. It's nonsense every time. And I said, I do. I know it's nonsense every time. We aren't going to default on the debt. We're going to pass. I said, but often Congress does things wrong before they finally do things right. Right? Kind of that idea of we're going to try all the wrong things first. But they didn't do that this time. So I actually was able to take – we never had the market – freak out on this debt ceiling talk at all. We never had some day where the market was just down, down, down simply because they couldn't play nice in the same sandbox. And it worked out fine. So, you know, congrats to Congress and the president for once just having negotiations that didn't throw the stock market into a tizzy for, you know, two, three, four days. And again, with the idea of, it's always just nonsense. It's always going to work out <laughs> with a debt ceiling increase. And so it was kind of nice this time. We didn't want to have to stress about one or two down days in the market from that perspective. So yay for all of us, I guess. Okay. <laughs> yay for a debt that we're never going to pay. <laughs> God only knows how it's going to play itself out uh, long term, you know, but uh, – to go off on a, a tangent with, with that, right? Like no one ever wants to figure out how to find more revenue. And I don't just mean that as straight taxes, but, you know, we fought a war in Iraq. We fought a war in Afghanistan. We did this. We did that. No one ever wants to get any spending cuts, right? The majority of the federal budget becomes Medicaid, Medicare, Social Security, and defense. No one wants to cut any of it. Right. <laughs> So if on the spending side, no one ever really wants to create big cuts, and if on the revenue side, no one ever really wants to find a bunch of new revenue, how are you ever going to cure the actual deficit problem? You're not. Right? So it, it's not me even being political in terms of Democrat versus Republican. Right. It's just if you don't want to cut the actual spending and you don't want to raise the actual revenue, you're all just speaking gibberish in terms of making a real effort to to control the deficit. So well, the good news is for you and I, on our daily life, it really does not affect us. It really right. doesn't. Right. It's a very long range, big picture. It's like the ominous cloud off on the horizon. But for any of us on our daily life, it does not affect us. And don't don't we owe the majority of that money to ourselves? 
Yes. So we could, in theory, clean our own slate. We could. We could. I, you know, it's it's interesting. And Japan is the same situation. Just to sort of put to put your line into something real um, that's further ahead of us. Japan is more indebted than us as a public debt as a percentage of GDP, gross domestic okay. product. They are more in debt than we are. And I would say a lot of listeners, probably not all of them, but a lot of listeners know that for the last 30 plus years, Japan has had rock bottom interest rates. And yet in that entire time, their debt problem has been worse than ours. And one of the big differences is that in that whole time, I shouldn't say one of the big differences. One of the reasons that sort of played itself out is most of that Japanese debt is, in fact, owned by Japanese citizens, Japanese institutions. It, there is no external issue going on there. Some people get very concerned how um, reports will come out that the Chinese or the Japanese or that some other foreign entity owns part of the U.S. bond market, owns some debt from us. They have no rights. They can't force the government, the U.S. government, to do anything with that debt. So there's no um, pressure. There's no external pressure. So the fact that we control our own currency and that the majority, the vast majority of our debt is con- is owned and possessed by Americans, American institutions, corporations, entities – yeah, it's it's an interesting problem of just kicking the can down the road, down the road, down the road. How does it ever eventually get resolved? I'll say, I don't really know. Um, probably someday it becomes a real, real problem. But I will also point out to clients every time where I say every country on earth basically has the same exact problem uh, from a government perspective. There's a few that aren't as bad, aren't as indebted, but they're all basically spending more than they bring in or that they've got this public debt level that is higher than it realistically should be. But um, I don't know. I I will say I don't know how it fully gets resolved, but my big statement is usually that – it will not start here. Like if there is someday this incredible problem of worldwide debt, it will not start in the U.S. It will start with some other country right. first. Very interesting. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Eric Connor from Connor Wealth Management. And if you would like to have a um, little talk with Eric, he's located at 5860 Snyder Drive. And you can call for a consultation at 439-1143, 439-1143 to make sure that your uh, financial health is where it needs to be. The doctor is in, as it were. And uh, if you would like to join our conversation here on the show, we would love to have you call uh, with your questions, comments, thoughts, or concerns at 433-1433. That's 433-1433. Uh, don't be afraid to give us a call and uh, jump in here and tell us what you think. So here's here's an off the wall question, um, and I don't know if it has any relevance. Well, I think it does have some relevance, but maybe not for today. The phrase "Fed now." 
Are you familiar with what's going on with that? I do not know that one. Okay, it's part of their digital currency plan. Um, yeah, man, we'll talk about it another day then. But FedNow is the is the the digital currency that they're trying to basically do what we already have, which is put money instantly accessible to us for uh, purchases through a, a, a federal digital currency. Which mm. I don't, I don't know. It's it's just been zipping around different places here and there. So I just wonder if you knew anything about it. No, I occasionally get people that ask about this idea of money going they use phrases like money going away and stuff and i just always chalk that up to conspiracy theorists right i have no fear of it but people always ask me like sort of randomly of like do i worry that the government's gonna do away with money or they use these expressions where i'm just like no i don't have that fear (laughs) and they're like why i'm like because how like they can't mandate that stuff right like it's just not it's just not um, – if you go and get your haircut, I pay with money. I pay with cash. Right. My girls pay with Venmo. And I'm like, I don't have Venmo. Well, technically I have it, but I don't know how to use it. Right. I don't even know what it's attached to. If it's attached to my bank account or a credit card, I don't even know. Right. So um, there are lots of forms of being able to pay for things electronically, not obviously the least of which is swiping a credit card because ultimately there's no real difference there. Um, but I just don't have that fear. Um, one of the best, I'll, I'll make sort of an, a, a strange little comment. One of the best little small businesses that are out there are, is actually the ATM business, right? You oh, go, boy. you go into restaurants and bars and different places and there's that ATM. People own that. That is, right. that is their business. And so you have three parts to that business. You have the ownership of the machine can be worth a certain amount per transaction. You have the actual loading of cash into that machine. That's worth, that has value, that has the the ownership of the cash. And then you have the location, right? Like kind of like a rental fee. Mm-hmm. There's So there's three parts to that. It's a great business. I've looked into that. I've looked into those numbers. If I could find a way someone locally that was selling one of those ATM businesses, I would buy into it. I'd be willing to buy into it in a heartbeat. So it, I find it interesting when people sort of think that that somehow there's going to be this magical wand that gets waved and it's going to take away cash. And whereas I'm like, I would absolutely invest in a business that is just literally dispensing cash. Dispensing cash, yes. Yeah, yeah. So I have so little fear, like here I am on the radio saying, uh-huh. I think that can, that ATM business can be an interesting business to investigate and people all over this country are making large quantities of money dispensing cash out to people at bars and restaurants and all kinds of places. Oh, so, yes. so I do not fear the idea that cash is somehow going to get taken away from us and made to be digital so that it can all be tracked. I, I, I hear people's concerns about uh, the idea that the government would be all up in your grill knowing about every dollar that is spent. Uh-huh. But I would t- <laughs> at the other end of that, I would tell you the ATM business seems to be a pretty good business. Yeah. And is not really going away. It only seems to be getting more prevalent, not less prevalent. Right. And they got you right where they want you. If you're in a restaurant or a bar, that 
you know, we're talking you know, sometimes three dollars and seventy five cents for a transaction fee, and that's around here. If yes. you, if you go to other places, um, uh, like if you're, in, I took that business trip to Tucson a couple months ago. On every floor of the hotel I was at, I can't remember the name of the hotel. Uh, one of the bigger um, res- resort style hotels because it was a business trip. Um, on every floor. As you walk down the big, long hallways and stuff, every uh, 100 yards or so, which sounds ridiculous, but the place was huge, right. uh, there's an ATM. And I think the charge there was 5 or $6 to access money. But again, it's because of where it was, because it's in a setting that you are pretty captive. Right. Right? <laughs> like, if you're in that hotel and you need, I'll say, 200 bucks, you're not really going to cringe at the fact that it's five or six bucks instead of the three dollars back home right right you're just going to pay it and grumble and move on yeah. yeah so uh it, it is sort of a an interesting thing right you're you are right when you say they've got you where you want you you know if you're in that barn you need to pay the tab you're gonna take that 40 bucks out or 80 bucks or whatever amount right. you spent and you're gonna pay that surcharge and get your money Yep. So there's to it. So total total tangent there. Yeah, I know, but but it's a fun. it's a good way to sort of analyze around the conversation that that does exist, where people are really worried. Some some people are really worried that cash is going to get removed from their pocket in that way, and that you'd somehow only have a digital wallet. And I just sit there and go, Nah, I don't see it at all. Right, because the model they're looking at is what's going on in China, you know, with their social credit score. Yeah, and it's it, it's just a totally different. Yeah, it's a totally different environment, right? Like the way to think of that is China is managed as a dictatorship in essence, but it's from the top down, right? Right. All rights come from the government. You don't have inherent rights. We're the opposite, and everyone <laughs> we could get a crazy political discussion going about that but in essence we have the rights are on the personal level here and so it's it's a different environment right and i know we've had the conversation of even like the idea of a flat tax versus the income tax system that we have some small other countries have been able to successfully go to a flat tax i'd be in favor of a flat tax I just don't think it'll realistically ever happen here. For the sort of cynical, funny reason, I don't think the government would ever want to make tax attorneys and CPAs become unnecessary. You'd have hundreds of thousands of these highly skilled workers not needed anymore. What would they all go do? So I don't think we really transition to a flat tax at all in this country. But it's very effective and it works in other countries. But I just don't see how it comes over to here. Right. So, you know, sometimes we see it. We see it in the world and we think, oh, no, that's going to come here. It's not coming here. Right. Well, that's good because I like cash. Yeah. I'm I'm a big fan of cash. Yeah. I like uh, to both be paid and pay in it whenever possible. Yeah. Well, and I I always think back to when I was young and dumb down in Newfane and my friends and I – did something stupid and a car was stuck in the mud in in a place we shouldn't have been goofing around in. <laughs> and a guy came along, as one would happen in Newfane, with a large truck. 
And we asked him for help. And he said, how much you got? Right. And we got our truck, uh, got our vehicle unstuck. No one got in trouble. Nothing bad ever happened. The car wasn't damaged. No one got hurt. Nothing was vandalized. You know, none of that. It was just we drove into a spot that wasn't paved and we got stuck. Right. And he came along and extracted our car for the extraction of, I don't know, probably 50 bucks out of the out of the four or five of us that had some money in our pocket. Right. And you just didn't get ice cream that day. (laughs) That's right. And, you know, envision that same stupid behavior in a situation where you don't have any cash. Right. Right. The guy probably just happily drives by and laughs. Yeah. <laughs> you know, look at those dumb kids that got yeah. stuck. Doesn't that just add injury to insult? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, goodness. So we can meander around. But, you know, this stuff's always business related. It really is, right? Sure like it is. You, you, you look at who's making money on what. We've had all these alternative payment processors kick up over time. We know the names of like Stripe and, and Square. Yeah. I can remember, still remember the first time I was at some, uh, might have been over at Keenan Center, uh, but when a, a craft vendor like took their phone, had that little attachment it plugged in, and swiped my credit card. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, that is awesome. And that was, you know, probably within the last dozen years. Yep. I don't know. So it didn't exist 20 years ago. Nope. 10, 12, whatever years ago it started. And now we're moving on to other stuff, right? Just We just evolve with the times. It's all fine. You know, people love Apple Pay. They touch their phone to the little thing. I still don't know how to do it, even though I've had an Apple phone for a decade. I don't know. So we just evolve with the times. But, you know, uh, the reason I brought that part up, Square, which now I think is known as Block... One of the great one of the great rebrandings of all time. You go from square to block. Uh, that became a huge business that could not have existed not that long ago, right? So it literally gets birthed because of the change of technology. So it couldn't have existed, let's say, in 2005. It probably couldn't have existed, right? The iPhone hadn't been created yet. The technology, the networks weren't fast enough for data transfer, all of that. And within a few years, phones get fancier, technology speeds increase, and all of a sudden you're doing credit card transactions over cell networks with a device that you swipe against a phone. And it becomes worth hundreds of millions or maybe a couple billion. I don't know how big it is. Um, and some, and that's the stuff where you just sort of shake your head and you're just amazed at how things you couldn't even dream up all of a sudden become big businesses. So that's the evolution we're always going through. It is amazing indeed. It's an interesting time to be alive. Yeah. I think that was the Chinese curse, wasn't it? May you live in interesting times. Yes. <laughs> it's one of my favorites. It just just because I mean it's just always true. It is right. It's always true. And then, like I I have this little cheat sheet that I bring in. You see it when I come in, and there's going to be a to talk about the reverse of all that technology. There's going to be a meeting over the weekend about OPEC Plus, and with the idea that they might come to an agreement to potentially cut back the foreign oil production to try to make prices be higher. Why? Because we're reasonably close to our 52-week low in oil. We're a few bucks off the 
price the the low of the last year. And, you know, six months ago we were talking about, or wherever it was, we were talking about prices being high. And I sort of shrugged my shoulders and I go, it'll go down. Right. Because that's what it does. It goes up, it goes down. You know, people blame the president when it's high. He's not drilling. It doesn't matter the part. And I always say it doesn't matter about the political party. Oil prices go up and down. Doesn't matter. We're we're at lows. I think I think the statistic in April was something like it had gone down eight months in a row. <laughs> and you just you just laugh and you you know you hear numbers about inflation and everything and oil price of oil had just gotten lower and lower and lower. Not mm-hmm. that it's super cheap. But, you know, the crazy low price of the pandemic, that's not coming back. That was because we were all locked up. Right. That That's not a <laughs> – that kind of price isn't a realistic price. I think we're in that ballpark of where the prices should be. And we talked a few weeks ago about we would see a little bit higher prices at the pump because the summer driving season is more costly. And so you end up with a little bit higher price of gasoline in the summertime compared to wintertime right and it's playing out and it doesn't seem like it's excessive and then the risk we run into hurricane season starts yet started yesterday right and lasts yeah. i think until november or the middle of november and so you know th- that stuff just repeats year after year if you get a big hurricane that's going to plow into the houston or new orleans area where the oil refineries are you'll see a spike in oil prices and gasoline because supply and delivery might be a problem and that's how pricing works so you know here we are on one hand talking about uh electronic payments and processing and all that and then the news of the weekend is sort of like well see if opec can successfully come to some sort of cut in oil production so that they can get firmer prices and that's just old school, right? Literally right. pumping oil onto the ground and, and let's see – for them, let's see if we can restrict supply so that we get higher prices sure. around the world. Squeeze them out. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's – you know, everything old is new again and, you know, history repeats itself and, you know, that's how we go. It is. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you are joining us late, shame on you for one. And two, if you would uh, <laughs> like to know what's going on with our conversation, I am talking with Eric Connor, who is president of Connor Wealth Management, talking all things finance to make sure that your financial health is where it needs to be. Uh, Mr. Connor is located at 5860 Snyder Drive here in Lockport. And if you would like to have a consultation with him, his phone number is 439 439- one one four three. That's four three nine, one one four three. Now there's still plenty of time left. If you would like to join our conversation here on the air, we would love to hear your thoughts about the things that we've been talking about, or perhaps you have another question related to finance that we have not spoken about yet. It's all good. All you have to do is call four three three one four three three. Join the conversation, and we'd love to hear from you. So, that being said, Mister Connor. What's next on the list is the question. We've got there's so much to talk about. Um, consumer wow. price index. What's that? What's going on with that? I gotta say, I just while you were doing such a great job there, giving me a break so I could take yes. a drink of water. Uh, I quick look at my inform, uh, use technology. Grab a quick look at the market. The market is up 
really strongly this morning. They, the market in the moment loves that jobs number. And I will just say, you it's a coin flip how the market responds to this stuff, right? Six months ago, if we had that jobs number and we did have a good jobs number back then, the market would be down because it would be paranoid about interest rates going even higher. Right. But here we are in this moment in time on this Friday in June, the jobs report comes out and it's definitely a well above expectations. And the market just says, all right, great. <laughs> and, and it moves higher pretty dramatically. I mean, the Dow is almost up 500 points as, as we talk right now. Hallelujah. And, so- and you just, I, I mean, 28 years in this business and I still just laugh where you're like, you know. That, that response is never predictable, right? Six, again, six months ago, the market would be down probably three or 400 points because it would be like, ooh, that, market's too, that job market's too strong. We're going to keep seeing interest rates. And now here in June, it's like, oh, okay, that's great. It's better than we thought. Great. Right. Well, you still might have higher interest rates because of it. But today, the market doesn't care. They're just going to go up. So I see I see the strength broadly. I can see some of the drug stock, some of the drug stocks I watch are up. The banks are up. Tech is up. Uh, very very just head shakingly strange responses sometimes to what you get in the market. Right, because usually a day like today they hang up the hang up the sign and say gone fishing by about nine o'clock, don't they? They yeah. <laughs> I, it, you get the Memorial Day break, and all of a sudden you start having volume go down because some of those. Traders are, you know, the old joke was always that they would go for long weekends to the Hamptons. But life is different now because now you have automated trading. Like literally the machine, some of their programming is just, it is automated. So you're not having a guy or girl sit there and buy or sell the shares. It's just the computer for some of those firms will just buy and sell automatically with no human interaction. And so you get, I suppose you get this response on a day like today where, they're not concerned about interest rates, so they're just happy and think revenue and expense, uh, revenue and profit looks like it's headed higher. So we're going to go buy, and well, so the market goes up. It'll be interesting to see how AI fits into this computer buying and selling, or because AI is growing so exponentially, it's 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 literally scary to me. Yeah, um, I I for years now the highest. Uh, the largest, let me say largest, the largest of the hedge fund companies have utilized ar- a type of artificial intelligence. And now the difference is that whatever existed five years ago can't hold a candle to what exists today. But for years, the really high-end hedge fund companies have had computer technology that not only is tracking the market and you know the up and down of a certain segment of stocks or indexes or indices, as they would say, um, and the correlation of interest rates and commodities, and they can program it so that it's comparing it the U.S. market to Europe and China and Australia and on and on and on. But for several years, they've had computers that will trade based on headlines that it reads. So that's already existed. But what will happen now in terms of of um, how the improvement of artificial intelligence potentially goes haywire is what if those 
AI systems basically are generating bad, I'll say fake, but bad or fake headlines. And right. and then the trade programs are reading fake headlines and trading against it, right? So picture a scenario where it says something like uh, – a headline says something like, you know, market collapses based on – jobs report and that just becomes some self-fulfilling prophecy when the exact opposite is actually happening right today the market's up because it liked the jobs report but what if it reads a fake headline that says the market was doing horribly because of the jobs report so i think there there's certainly a big risk of the lack of human restraint that can come into those systems, right? You need a circuit breaker set up right. where there is someone to sort of push the button and stop it from doing something crazy or something bad in that in, in that response. And you can hear the, uh, the big thinking technology people talk about it all the time, Bill Gates, Elon Musk um, – the guy from Salesforce, his name escapes me right now. Um, they'll talk about the idea, the the inherent risk of AI sort of running roughshod right. over over the information that it possesses, or the information that it thinks it possesses. Right, and so yeah, we'll have to really see how that plays out over time. Um, I I don't know that there's any kind of legislation that'll ever be capable of being enacted, right? How, if you're the government, could you ever – how would you ever effectively pass legislation that says you can't use such and such technology to trade to manage money? Like I don't, I don't think they could police it. I don't think it would be effective. So what will really need to happen is really that idea of there needs to be the human uh, stop sign – at times to to put a kibosh on whatever those ramifications are but you can see some of that behavior even even over the last decade you can see that behavior right like on a bad stock market day you think why is it just tick by tick headed lower right those bad news days or or uh bear market days where it's just Starts off bad, gets a little bit worse, and just chugs lower and lower and lower. But then there's a magical time at like 3.30 where all of a sudden it starts buying, buying, buying. And I always say to people, like, that's not humans doing that. Right. That's, those, are, those are computer programs doing that every time. No person is sitting there able to push the, lower, the market lower systematically. And then flip a switch to make it go higher at 3.30 or 3.20 or wherever. Like you can, you can want, look at a chart and you can just know that that was the programs reversing themselves because they're, they've got a program, uh, a line in there that says, hey, if the market's down 7%, which is a huge move, obviously, right. if the market's down 7% at 3.30, we want to buy into the close. And so then you'll get this market rebound that comes out of nowhere, except it's sort of you can see it plain as day on the chart that something kicked in. And it's the programming code, right? right. And, and again, that part of if there's no human interaction there, you just shake your head and you're like, geez, it looks like there's no 
no rhyme nor reason to what went on there. So that's a little hard to explain without having the visual right. the visual of the chart in front of you. But you can you can see it on down days. You don't mm-hmm. notice it as much on up days. There's a much more jagged pattern um, that that sort of permeates itself because when it's up, the computers aren't really necessarily trying to run the show. But on those strange down days, you can sometimes really see when when they when a line of code has kicked in, sure, and the, you get these huge reversals that just happen, and and you shake your head. And I always say to people, I'm like, look, that that doesn't happen because of any of us in Lockport, New York. That you know, if no. you if you've been some uh, X Y Z stock, right, it's down ten bucks a share all day long, and all of a sudden at three thirty, it starts going from down ten to down eight to down six, to down four. I mean, like, that's not because of any of us in Lockport suddenly started to make that price come higher. That's, ju- that's just the machines pushing money around. Sure. So it's, yeah. it's been interesting. Um, I, we're starting to get close to the end of the show. And, and so having, it, it's nice to be back after not being on for about a month. And um, the jobs report was good. The market likes it today. Um, inflation, you did ask me and I sort of blew through it talking about something else. Uh, I think the inflation numbers look exactly like I talked about them looking months and months and months ago, which was that we're just going to see that year over year number shrink little by little every month. And that's what we're doing. It doesn't mean we don't have inflation, but the rate of inflation continues to decline. And so I think that last number we saw was four and a half percent year over year, I think. Yes. Um, It's kind of where I, I, it's kind of doing that. It's playing out how I envisioned it. And I think we'll continue to see a little bit of easing on that number and potentially by September, you're into the 3.3, 3.4, 3.5 range. Okay. And again, if part of that is because wages are going up, I'm okay with it. That's how it goes, right? If wages go up, you get some inflation pressure. I'm so, always okay with wages going up. Exactly. Especially if they're mine. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So that's all of it in a nutshell. All right. Any final thoughts? Nope. I'll, okay. I'll be here in two weeks uh, unless something bizarre happens and uh, look forward to the show. All right. Well, thank you so much. You've been listening to Eric Conner from Conner Wealth Management. And don't forget, if you've missed any of the programming here, you can go to WLVL.com, hit the podcast button, and all of Mr. Connor's programs are there available for you to listen to. So, until then, have a good day, and we'll talk to you next time. And Eric Coach signing off.